Welcome to Bear Essential on Fitness, where we will talk on different aspects of fitness and have special guests such as local athletic directors and coaches. Also be able to meet trainers and locally and nationally to get their expertise and their aspects on different sports, as well as the training that they get. Thank you very much. Welcome to today's episode of Bear Fitness Essentials. I am proud to introduce one of my mentors and coaches that is known throughout the country as the godfather of speed. He has showed me a lot when it comes to how to actually put my feet and not trip over myself, as well as allowed me to show other kids. He's done everything from tennis to football to basketball and soccer. He is one of the most well-known people in the sport when it comes to hosting and giving some of the best events. I am very lucky and proud to have this uh, young gentleman um, of 30 years of experience plus um, compared to my like five, five to eight. So big thing about it is he, uh, Mr. Lee Taff is phenomenal when it comes to breaking down your basic movement and making things more easier and less um, complicated. So Lee, thank you for joining us today. Um, so where are you at right now? Well, first of all, Chris, thank you so much for the introduction and you're humble because you're one talent. For somebody who's done it as short as you said you've done it, you're extremely talented. So I'm honored to be on the show and to share some thoughts with you today. And so, hey, where I'm at, I'm in sunny Florida right now. So that's where <laughs> I'm enjoying the weather. I was probably three hours from you, not le a little bit less than a year ago. I was down in Indianapolis area. And uh, I, I, I became a wimp. I couldn't take the cold anymore. <laughs> and I had to get to the warm weather. So we uh, we picked up and moved down here where actually both my daughters are living down here as well. So it was a good move for us. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to talk shop with you. So Lee, give the uh, the audience a little bit of background on the super, the knowledge you have and what how you've gained it. Thank you for letting me share that. Yeah, well, the cool thing is I grew up in a family of coaches. You know, I, my my uh, my dad and my brothers were coaches and phys ed teachers. My sisters and their husbands and wives were uh, um, teachers, classroom teachers. So I grew up kind of in that environment. So it just, you know, when you're a little kid and that's all you hear at the dinner table is, you know, I just kind of no grew up knowing it. And it was funny, Chris, because I remember being really young and I'd be watching a football game with my dad. And next thing you know, he's breaking down plays and I'm listening. And, you know, that was kind of what I knew. So it was really easy for me to get into coaching um, because of my dad and my brothers. They were all into fitness as well. That was natural for me to jump into. So in uh, 1989 is when I started as a professional Um but in 91, I went full time into strength and conditioning. And then so over the years, I went from, you know, owning facilities, training lots and lots of athletes to gradually becoming more of a consultant and sharing my, you know, my methods and strategies with other coaches and in facilities to help them as well. So that's kind of where it's gone. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride. And I think the reason I've learned so much is because I failed so much, but I didn't give up. You know, I always had an athlete's mindset where I was really competitive. So if you beat me once, 
I'm coming back at you the next time. Well, business is like that, right? You, you know, you're going to, you know, we plan things and it flops on us. Well, if you're competitive, you find out how to fix it. And I just followed other great business people who did it before me and learned from them. So kind of got us to where we're at now. I know probably some people are wondering if they do see the video, I've got a tennis background. So I know that's where you cut your teeth at, but you've gone through and you actually almost come full circle again. You started a very comprehensive uh, tennis speed footwork program because you've noticed that it was lacking into that actual sport. So can you tell the, tell the audience a little bit about it? Yeah, exactly. It's funny because I, I played tennis all the way through high school. I played in college, played basketball in college. But when I went full-time into strength and conditioning in 91, it happened to be at the largest tennis academy in the world. It just happened to be where my college, where I was at, that's where the job was. So I ended up going there, which was in Bradenton, Florida, which is probably an hour from where I live now. <laughs> and when most people, most of your listeners might know it as IMG now, but back then it was just Bulletaries. And so over the years when I was there and then I went to another tennis academy up in Tampa called Palmer Tennis Academy. Then I worked at University of Kentucky for a little while working with the men's tennis program there. And then all these years I've worked with tennis athletes as well as others. But I, it's, Chris, it's funny. Here we are in Florida, which is kind of like a hotbed for tennis. You know, it's a big sport. But I noticed just people were not paying attention to like the movement quality, like speed and, you know, how to train for it correctly and all. And you're talking about since 1991 till we moved here last year. So almost 30 years. Wow. And I'm thinking, why hasn't anybody really attacked it? So I took it upon myself to say, you know, I'm going to put out a product, of course, that coaches can actually learn how to uh, evaluate, how to how to recognize movements, how to understand the model, like what it should look like. So if, if somebody does a, a lateral shuffle or a recovery step off a wide round stroke or a volley footwork, which we call glide steps, I just put it together so they could follow it and then implement it with their tennis players, of which I know you've done a great job of impacting, uh, especially one female tennis player who you've done an amazing job with having conversations with you. And that's what it's about. It's about, you know, giving coaches a tool so they can help these athletes, uh, you know, perform better. And with so many tennis academies and colleges down here, that tennis is a big fixture there. It was a no-brainer for me to, to do it. Plus, you know, I can do it year-round outside here, as where, yeah, as you know, in Indiana, is a period of time you're not going to do much on a tennis court, you know, unless you shovel the snow off. So yeah, and they, I think the greatest thing is is you may have started with tennis, but you've managed not only to not be a niche in that while you're being good at it, you're expanded to basketball, soccer. Even your footwork, even when it comes to uh, football, you've managed to actually uh, mold it and, and adjust it for almost every sport. I think curling is probably the only one it won't be good for. <laughs> um, but how did you manage to uh, slowly mold into those different sports? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a neat, it's kind of a neat story because way back when I first started to learn movement, it was based on... I, I couldn't find a lot of information out there on multi-directional speed. You could find a lot in sprinting. I mean, it was all of this stuff. 
but change of direction. I just, so I started watching. I just watched really good athletes. I watched younger athletes. I watched beginners, but I kept noticing these patterns. I'm like, gosh, they, they, I don't care if it was Michael Jordan or if it was the seventh grader playing first year basketball, they all did kind of the same thing. So I kept thinking, all right, the nervous system's telling me something. I just got to pay attention to it. So I started to take these patterns and put them into an organization. And I call them my seven patterns, you know, the acceleration and sprinting and shuffling and lateral run, backpedal, hip turn and jumping. And so every sport, you know, you're really impactful in a lot of sports, but football is one you've really carved out a great niche. Well, Football players have to be able to accelerate. They have to be able to have a little bit of backpedal skill. They have to be able to shuffle and lateral. Everyone has to have these skills, but the individual sport starts to define for you how that movement should look. So like you and I've talked about this in the past. If we take a left tackle who's pass blocking, well, they're doing a shuffle, but it doesn't look like a basketball player shuffling just because their needs are different, right? They can't. They can't afford to lean forward because a defensive end is going to be going like this and saying, ha, they'll grab them and throw them down. So they have to be upright, extend those arms. They have to protect their body so they can protect their quarterback's body. And so I start looking at movement and saying, okay, well, this movement, even though all athletes will shuffle at some point, but a football player has to shuffle this way versus a soccer athlete marking an opponent, you know, because those would be a little different. So it just kind of became a game for me of like watching different sports and saying, okay, this is why they have to move a little bit different. And a lot of it had to do with the eyes, like what they're seeing. Think about a track track sprinter coming out of the blocks. What's one thing they do? They all drop their heads and they take off until they rise up eventually. Can you imagine a football player dropping their head and not seeing what's going, they would be on, you know, they'd be on the bench with smelling salts in their nose because they'd be getting knocked out. So that changes the mechanics of how they move. So that was the fun part. It was kind of putting those seven patterns and then putting a specific twist on it. So I just saw you had an article or talked about lately uh, about the mindset. Um, can you tell the uh, the audience a little bit about that? You're talking about putting the everything a little bit together, not just the movement, but the head into the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you and I are playing tennis, let's do because you got a nice tennis background behind. So we're playing tennis. Physically, we're capable of hitting the ball, getting it back and forth and doing stuff. But but like we both have to mentally challenge each other. We both have to do something to get us off our game. So like whether I I raise my racket really high and I slice the ball and I'm trying to drop shot it to make you run really fast and try to get to that ball. And then if you get it, I'm going to lob it over your head. Well, what I'm doing is I'm forcing you to kind of perceive or predict what it is that I'm doing. So if this was football and you're the linebacker and I'm the running back coming through that A gap, well, my job is to do something to get you off balance, fake you one way and fake you the other way. You're using your head, your eyes and everything to recognize what I'm doing. If you see me all of a sudden start leaning one way, well, that's kind of tipping something off in your mind. So when I train athletes physically, I also talk about, you know, the mental part of it, like the, the, the head and eyes, 
how to how to make somebody think something's going to happen, but you're really going to go the other way. So if I can lean this way, get you to bite on, and I go the other way, well, that's as much mental as it is physical, you know, because it's not that you're not physically capable of changing directions with me, but if I convince you that I'm going to your left, get you to cross over that way, then I go the other way, well, I have a good chance of getting by you. So it's about using speed and agility and all these different patterns, but thinking the game as well, thinking the movement patterns. And that's where you and I get to have fun working with athletes because it's it's not just as simple as running from A to B. Sometimes you got to go from A to Z to W to get to B. You know, you got to be able to teach that. Yeah. Especially it depends on which sport you're playing because basketball, you can be, I tell the basketball and soccer players, at any point in time, you got to be able to see the whole court and not be zoned in because that ball could get loose. And if you're still here and that ball gets dribbled past you, you're going to be yelled at by your coach big time. Exactly. Uh, yeah, great point. Be sitting there, hand goes down while somebody's dribbling. You could be blocking somebody, bam, and all you saw is the bouncy ball, bam. It's you now changed over the whole thing. Same That's right. Soccer. Um, so, Lee, for you, what has what has been the biggest impact you think and i mean everybody especially for covid i know for me seeing half the kids luckily uh i've been able to work with them while they're doing it but i've had a lot of kids come in and they've been doing nothing but uh for you what do you think's the been biggest impact for covid and the athletes and the kids yeah just like you said they you know, they went pre-COVID to being, you know, on a schedule of activity, whether it was physical education in school, which I know is limited, but still they had something or they had their, you know, maybe they went to a club team or they went to their high school sport. So they were at least doing something, Most, at least the kids that we would typically work with. You know, not all kids are in sport or activity, but they were doing stuff. And then all of a sudden they they, they were just, you know, relegated to staying home for a period of time where they really, other than going to a grocery store, weren't supposed to go out. And then it relaxed and they could go out a little bit, but they couldn't really be with their teams yet. They could do, but you and I both know there's very few kids that'll take it upon themselves to keep working hard and keep training. You know, they're going to do the least amount they can do, you know, and they're going to play their games, video games and stuff. So when we go ahead and, yeah, (laughs) when we go ahead and start training them again, we got this deconditioned athlete and it's not just that their lungs and their you know cardiovascular systems down their their feet aren't prepared for cutting and landing and jumping their knees aren't ready for the pounding that they easily could have did before because they did it all the time now we had to start them at such a lower level just to get them back to a decent level to really start training them again So one of the things that I tried to do when I spoke with other coaches or parents or athletes or uh, even at the college or professional level, I said, you know, even something as simple as jump roping, because jump roping builds the feet, the plantar fascia, the ankles, the lower leg, because when they come back to training again, that cutting and change of direction and all the stuff they're going to do, it's the feet that are going to take the pounding and the ankles and the lower leg and the knees. So jumping rope, jumping jacks, basic calisthenics that I know you did a lot of it being in the military, just stuff that just kept you strong, push-ups and sit-ups and different things like that, which they could have done. But the the problem we ran into is it, it all sounded good, 
but to get them to do it. And then they come back to us and you literally needed a buffer zone of four weeks, sometimes six weeks, just to get them back to normal. Then you could start training. But the problem is, as you know, in, in our profession as business owners, yeah, they don't have the time and they don't, or they don't want to spend the money to do it the right way. So, so those were the issues that I saw. Gotcha. Um, I know for uh, a lot of people, the, especially the adults as well. We've talked about this. Um, it's like some adults don't believe they can be athletic anymore. It's like going, or they weren't athletic and they weren't. Um, what are your thoughts on that in the older population and becoming, working with being athletic? Like like you said, they still want to play soccer. They still want to play do the stuff, but they're not doing the training or something like that. Um, what would you say to those guys? Yeah, you know, we're, I, I just look at human movement as athleticism, right? To be able to step up on a curb really quickly or to avoid falling off a curb quickly, to be able to move and play with our kids, to be able to do stuff, it requires, you know, some of those seven patterns we talked about. Everything comes down to those when we talk about movement. Strength is the foundation, right? This is something you're real good with. You, you get people strong so now they can expand their worth of movement. So... If, if, but the way that we can keep them more athletic is how about throwing a medicine ball? How about using a kettlebell and doing some, you know, whether it's a swing or a single arm press or a windmill or things like that that create this functional pattern that allows them now when they go out and they play softball on the weekend with their you know, friends or buddies, or, or sometimes, sometimes um, corporations, their companies have weekend things that they do when they meet. And there's where we see torn Achilles tendons and torn ACLs because these adults aren't weekly trading, uh, treating themselves like athletes. And it's just about staying, it's, it's about staying elastic. That's why I say jump roping or skipping or things like that that help them be able to respond quickly off the ground but i think all adults have to stop thinking well because i'm getting older i need to stop doing you know running and jumping and throwing and stuff i just need to go to these machines and you know take my time and selectorize no it's it's the opposite you need to be really functional keep moving use a trx system use a kettlebell use tubing and bands and no problem bench pressing and if you want to do that stuff but stay athletic and i'm a big fan at their level is getting them to get some level of sprinting it's great for the cardiovascular system it's great for their legs their hips even if they're sprinting on a bike something that gets them their heart rate up really quick and then interval it with a rest periods and then go get it again it just makes their day so much better also takes less time to uh, get a workout in too. Yes, you go run for two miles of poor pounding. That's right. And for someone like yourself who has that ability to have people come and train with them, if you can say to them, "Hey, I need forty minutes. Forty minutes, I can get you one heck." You're going to get a lot more adults who might not have a lot of time, like they don't have ninety minutes or seventy-five minutes or even an hour. You can say, "Hey, give me 30, 40 minutes, and I promise you, two to three times a week." I will get you feeling better and enjoy life. That's a that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, they all hate the airdyne. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got one out in my garage and that thing works me. <laughs> I'm still working on getting those updated versions 
Um, <laughs> so Lee, uh, tell the people, how would they be able to get some of your programs or be able to contact you um, if they want to reach, reach out to you and find out more information about your programs? Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. No, um, so if they go to leetaft.com, they can pretty much find most of the stuff that we're doing. Um, every once in a while, we'll launch a new program, but if they're connected with us and they're getting our emails, they'll see that coming. So leetaft.com. If they go at leetaft, they can pretty much find me on any of the social medias, you know, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I'm I'm pretty active on those. I try to give a lot of free content and free information. And if there's someone that's maybe enjoys tennis and they want to learn more about it and they want to understand it, they can go to ctss.co, C-O, and they can learn more about that program and stuff. But yeah, we just, you know, we try to have a lot of different opportunities for coaches at different levels. And so they can uh, expand and help their athletes, you know, and, and uh, you know, be able to have an idea of the stuff that like you do. You offer so much for people. There's a lot of coaches out there that need to start at a lower level. So we have that as well. Awesome. Hey, thanks today for uh, giving some time for us and the audience, Lee. And thanks very much. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate everything you're doing and keep doing it because we all benefit when uh, when you put information out and you keep helping these athletes. So hopefully everybody's taking advantage of it in your area. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Lee. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Fair Essentials on Fitness today. If you like it, subscribe to the podcast as well as share it out to others that may be in the same interest. At any point in time, leave a question. Hopefully, we can get back to you and give you the information that you're looking for. Again, thank you very much. This is Coach Chris from Bear Fitness.